April 6th, 1966. Melbourne, Australia. It was supposed to be a normal day at Westall Secondary School, but the day took a turn for the unusual when an unidentified flying object, described as a saucer shape, began to hover over a forest clearing just south of the school. With hundreds of witnesses, this is by far one of the most corroborated UFO cases of all time. This is the Westall UFO incident of 1966. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's time for episode three of Unquestionable, and I'm your host, Calvin. I'm really happy to have you guys tuning in tonight. I've got a really cool topic to go over with you, but I just wanted to tell you guys thank you for being here, and I hope you guys had a nice holiday weekend. I know I did, but what did you guys think of the new intro that I tried out? It was something a little bit new. I figured um, I'd switch it up a little bit, try some different music. So tell me your thoughts. Tell me if it's worth doing again or if I should never do it again. You know, just... Let me know. You can shoot me a message on Instagram at Unquestionable Podcast if you'd like to do that. All right. So there's no guest lined up for tonight, so I do apologize for that. Uh, so this might be a little bit of a longer episode than the previous ones. I would hope I tried to get as much detail packed into this as possible without totally, um, you know, I, w- I want to leave a little bit up for you guys to do some research because I-, I would like for you guys to do it your own research, of course. So I like to kind of leave a little bit open for interpretation and uh, a little bit more for research on your guys' part. So anyways, uh, how did you guys like the Brian Forrester interview last week? I thought I personally was having the time of my life. I was a nervous wreck, to be completely honest, but it was such a great time. Brian's such a nice guy, and I, I really appreciate his time and I, I you know once again need to have him on again but with that anyways let's as the intro and the episode title suggests I'm going to tell a story and share my own thoughts a little bit on the Westall UFO incident so let's ponder a little bit on this okay so uh, this event took around took place around 11 a.m. on Wednesday April 6th of 1966 Uh, It happened in Australian state of Victoria. So this is all taking place right at the very beginning of the Vietnam War, which Australia just so happened to be taking a part in. So you could say that tensions were just a little bit high at the time. But with that being said, air traffic wasn't totally uncommon in that area, especially with the Melbourne... uh, Jeez, I'm going to pronounce a lot of stuff wrong. So prepare for that. I'm, I'm terrible at pronunciations, but the Melbourne airport uh, being within about 50 miles of the point of interest for tonight. So the place of interest being the Westall Secondary School. Now, this is one of those schools that there's like multiple age groups of children there. So you can go anywhere from K through 12, I believe there. At the time, I believe it was Westall Secondary School, but I believe now... Um, it is Westall High School, and then there is Westall College that is actually, it's a secondary college that's all kind of connected together on the same campus. So now I believe it's just a high school and a college, I believe. Um, anyways, so, all right, think of this. All right, imagine 
you're in fourth grade. You're learning your multiplication tables or whatever the hell kids are learning in school. Uh, a better, better, you know what? You're learning math. You're learning math before math was changed. We'll go with that. And let's say you walk up to little Susie and give her a chocolate chip cookie and you say, come meet me in the swing set uh, after hopscotch, baby. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Take a munch on that cookie. Uh, but when, when you guys look out the window, hoping to see a swing set, you look out and you see a fucking SUV-sized flying saucer just chilling out, levitating above the school. Like, well, shit, you know? <laughs> you know, what What would you guys do? If you, if you guys were chilling out in school and you look out this window and you see a flying saucer hanging out outside your school or above your school or just anywhere in the general vicinity of your school, what would your first reaction be? Because we're going to get into a little bit about what these kids' reactions are. And I would I would hope, I know myself that I wouldn't react this way. Um, I may react similar, but anyways, let's get into it. And uh, okay, so basically what that's basically what happened to these kids these kids were chilling out in school and they looked out the window and they see a flying saucer and it's pretty much above their school it's like a little bit like more above like the playground type of area but it's pretty much above directly the school um you know they're all doing regular things in class and they see this and these kids just start bolting out of class you know there's kids coming into class like holy shit, guys, there's a UFO that's hanging out outside. Do you see it? And, you know, everyone, teachers, parents, everything, they're all seeing this. And so these kids are bolting out of school. And they're watching this thing hover above the school. And they can see it, what they describe as, in seemingly impossible maneuvers, quote, unquote, uh, it made its way to a lightly wooded area. About a block away from the school it's literally less than half a mile away from the school and it's known as the grange reserve now it's it's, it's kind of a creepy name to be honest with you. i mean if i'm saying myself as well the grange reserve but uh not long bef- before it went to the grange it's noted also that there was supposedly unknown i don't know if it was unknown or unmarked i couldn't get a clear answer on that um I feel like there's a difference between unknown and unmarked military vehicle um, uh, aircraft that was chasing this aircraft around. And uh, now, before I get any further and I get into, you know, where it, it hung out at the Grange here, let me just reiterate that this was basically the entire school that saw this craft. That's like, okay, we're talking over 200 over 200 kids, parents, and teachers that claim to have seen this thing floating in the air. And some of them, like I said before, described this craft as being about about twice as large as a family-sized car. Uh, they use that family-sized car for pretty much every description that I could see. So take family-sized cars you want. I believe they're saying, you know, like an SUV or um, maybe a... a, a truck of some sort, uh, you know, family-sized truck. I don't know. And even with some witnesses, some witnesses even say they saw multiple UFOs, like up to three or five. There's been, I think there was only one or two reports of uh, that I could find 
of people reporting five UFOs in the air at the time. But honestly, most reports reported three UFOs in the air at the time. But I did watch a few interviews of people um, describing one UFO and some describing three. But, okay, after it zipped through the sky for for a while and this UFO started floating above the Grange, it eventually slowly drifted down and it landed in uh, a small opening in this Grange Reserve. And it actually left a circular imprint in the grass where it landed. And I'll attach pictures of this, you know, in the Instagram post that I'm going to make. And if I can, I'll try to link something in the podcast description here on uh, Spotify, too. So, these kids, all right, this is what I was talking about. I wouldn't do anything this rash. Some of these crazy-ass kids started actually running off school campus, okay? Because they saw it fly away from the Grange. They ran off school campus, and to, to see this thing up close. I mean, I would do something similar. I may not fully approach the Grange, but I may get, you know, a couple hundred feet from the fence that these kids were jumping. Yeah, these kids were jumping fences to get there because there's a big fence in front of the Grange and they jumped. There was a, a couple of kids that jumped this fence. And now this is an interesting part. So two girls from the school, uh, one was only referred to as Tanya or Tanya. Um, and the other one was a nameless girl. I believe, you know, everyone knew nothing very significant about her. Um, so they were supposedly the first ones on the site was this Tanya girl and this nameless girl and reportedly upon upon arriving you know the rest of the school arriving tanya was hysterical and terrified she was screaming she was she was hysterical she she was uncontrollable and so her and her friend ended up turning and running back to the school and i'll get more into that a little bit later um and while this now this other nameless girl actually ended up fainting she passed the fuck out so she was fine. She got dragged away. She, I believe she's all good. Everything I've read, you know, well, really, I couldn't find much on her. So I would assume she's completely fine. Um, but, okay, going on the Tanya thing. So get this. Tanya, after running back to the school with her friend, was supposedly taken off in an ambulance. And she was never heard from again. Okay. She was never heard from. Now... I'll be a little bit more specific about that. So I'm going to bring up this woman, Jackie Argent. Now, she's a witness of the Westall UFO who she's done multiple interviews with the news and was a close friend of Tanya, actually. And Jackie actually was the the friend that ran back to the school with Tanya that, that day. Now, when Jackie went to Tanya's house the next day after she was taken off in the ambulance and she hadn't seen her after that, she was concerned. She wanted to go to her house and see if she was okay. Uh, You know, Jackie had been there plenty of times before. She knew exactly where she lived, knew her family. They were pretty good friends. So she walked to her house and now, okay, this is probably the most interesting part for me personally. Now, when Jackie knocked on the door, okay, there was a British woman, a British-speaking woman, like she had a British accent, and she answered the door, 
And when Jackie asked, you know, where's Tanya? Where's where's my friend? She said, I don't know who you're talking about. I've always lived here. And Jackie is very confused. She said, I, but my friend lives here. Um, that's a, you know, I know who, I knew who lives here. And this woman, uh, you know, turned her away and said, I don't know who this Tanya girl is. Please, please leave me alone. So like, what the hell? You know, and here's, here's a bombshell for you. Jackie Argent, according to her, claims that Tanya's parents didn't even speak English, okay? They were Yugoslavian. So, what was this British woman doing in this house? Where did her family go? So let's get into that a little bit. Now, <laughs> okay, so take a breather, because Jackie says that uh, she's not had personal contacts with Tanya, but knows of at least one researcher who has. But Tanya apparently prefers to stay anonymous and wants absolutely nothing to do with the investigation and wants to stay completely uninvolved with it, which that's her choice. I feel like, you know, she she knows something, you know, someone obviously told her to stay quiet more than likely. And I just, you know, I, oh man, I wish that she would come forward, you know, because there's not even a last name for her there. You know, I'm not, I, I wasn't, I looked everywhere and I could not find a last name for her, so... I mean, if you find it, that means then good for you. I mean, <laughs> I guess. So anyways, um, I'm going to link the YouTube video of the Studio 10 News interview. Um, that's from Australia that they did with uh, Jackie and a couple other witnesses. And that was a pretty cool video where they all just kind of go over their own experiences uh, with the UFO case. Uh, so now this case was 50 years ago. So, you know, these people are, are a little bit older, but I mean, they're still with it. They still, you know, they're still with it. Okay. So anyways, we're going to jump back to the day of the incident again. Sorry, got a little sidetracked telling you a little bit about uh, that crazy story. Jumping back to the day of the incident. Um, so witnesses who got close to the craft, um, like some of the witnesses that are in the YouTube video that I'm going to link. So they describe this craft giving off like waves of heat, uh, like a pretty extreme heat too, to where they almost, they had to kind of put their hands up almost and protect their faces because of how hot it was getting instead of, you know, like backing up or something. Uh, they, <laughs> they also described it making like a low buzzing noise, similar to like a, you know, just a steady, uh, like vibration type of noise. And, uh, of course, they describe it as having no windows, no doors, lights around the perimeter, pretty standard uh, extraterrestrial vehicle description. Um, now, nobody reported, nobody reported seeing any signs of life in or around it, so no one could see in it. So, you know, obviously there could be someone in there. Maybe it's some sort of drone maybe um but either way there were no signs of life uh in on or around uh the ufo so after the craft sat there in the grange for a while just chilling out in the grass uh with these these lights going and making this low buzzing and heat it began to levitate again it you know started going back up and it, it turned to its side so if you have a dinner plate you know and you you turn it up um, 
so that's basically how it how it turned and it's interesting so now it, it turned that way and then it shot directly up into the air and disappeared and that was it so it's very interesting that these witnesses report this and from what i understand this is pretty much a general consensus between all of the witnesses is that that you know whoever saw that craft take off they they saw the the turning now people like bob lazar have come forward um saying that like crafts that he supposedly had worked on in s4 uh, would turn on their sides similar to that um so may- maybe there's maybe there's something behind that and that really makes me think that they they maybe saw something and maybe they saw something that you know i'm not I, I can't recall the exact time that bob lazar was working at s4 but you know maybe that was something that he was working on i don't know it's it's all up for speculation i guess so let me let me know what you guys think on that one but so just after the ufo disappeared of course the news and military show up and they started interviewing everybody at least the news did teachers kids parents who were picking up their kids wondering what the hell's going on um in the middle of these interviews uh there's there's a couple people saying a couple different things but in the middle of these interviews like jackie for example was explaining how um she was talking to the news and she was asked um i believe by a man in blue um similar to a navy type of outfit asked her to please stop talking to the news and to go back to school um and at that point he turned and continued telling other people to go back to the school and or wherever the hell they came from and uh apparently these these were odd outfits people didn't quite recognize them so that's a little strange and another thing is now the royal australian air force is denying there being an extraterrestrial aircraft of any kind. Uh, they claim, you guessed it, that it was, a, let's say it together, a weather balloon. Look at that. They said it was a weather balloon. Now, I would love to know of a weather balloon that, you know, is able to fly at extreme speeds and make incredible maneuvers and, you know, beat freaking uh the australian air force jets in a, in a race you know like and able to um uh, go up and down horizontally as it pleases yeah i would love to see a you know a, a weather balloon from 1966 do that that would be great i believe i read something that said that um like there was a weather balloon that was launched sometime earlier that morning um but it it I honestly, I just kind of uh, glazed over that that part there because honestly, a weather balloon just—it's a bullshit excuse to be completely honest. So I wasn't even going to entertain the idea if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, because and, and the biggest thing that's holding me up is because I would be a little bit more apt to believe, possibly or at least believe that the um, the weather balloon is plausible if there wasn't so many witnesses i mean there's literally 200 plus people that saw this all age groups this is i mean kids that are five years old up to teachers that are 40 50 60 70 possibly years old i mean this is this is incredible and there's why would 
why would this happen? You know, why would, if this was an extraterrestrial craft, why would this craft choose to just fly over the school, levitate, you know, for a while? I believe it was there. Uh, I believe actually the entire event as a whole was about 30 to 35 minutes. It spent like 10, 15 minutes hovering over the school. And then it spent, you know, like uh, the other like five, 10 minutes were um, basically the venture between the Grange and, um, you know, in between the school and the aircraft following it and everything. So about 30, 25, 35 minutes is about what everyone said. Because, I mean, there was one person that said it was like 10 minutes and there was another person that said it was 50 minutes. So I'm just going to meet right in the middle there. And uh, I mean, another thing is, I, I mean, I just... It's very weird that any of this would even happen. I mean, I, I just don't understand why this this aircraft would would want to do this. You know, why would it... D- did it plan on maybe abducting one of the children? Or uh, maybe it was planning some sort of attack? Or maybe it was going to communicate with us? Or maybe it did communicate with us? And maybe that's what these military craft were stopping is uh the possible exposure could that be it i don't know i guess that's that's kind of all up for interpretation right now but that's that's pretty much the whole story to be completely honest that's it's all there really is to it there's tons of videos of people reporting um it, it, you know talking to different news stations um, there's newspaper reports that you can find. I mean, it's, it's a very, very well corroborated story. And I'm just, um, it's surprising because it's, it's so, such a big sighting, but yet surprisingly not a lot of people know about it. Like myself, I didn't know about this case until, oh, probably three years ago. I probably first learned about it, but at the time, I was pretty deep down in the the UFO world, you know. I was I was, you know, seriously reading a lot of these cases, and I was um, taking a lot of time to write about it. And when I found this case, I was like, "What do you mean, two hundred people saw a UFO?" I'm saying these kids, they drew it. I mean, some of these kids drew it, some adults drew it, what it looked like. Um, and I'll be sure to leave a link for all uh, interesting pictures and stuff like that. All drawings. I'll leave that in the description of the podcast, and of course, I'm going to make a post on Face or I'm sorry, Instagram that I'm going to set up over there. So be sure to check me out over there on Instagram at Unquestionable Podcast, and uh, you can also find my my music profile over there too. But anyways, I won't keep you guys up much longer. Uh, luckily, it wasn't as long of a podcast as I was expecting it to be, so that's a plus right you don't really have to listen to my smooth supple voice for too much longer but with that guys i'm gonna let you go tell me what you guys think i mean does tanya exist and does she possibly know something that the rest of us don't we're over 200 people of all different age groups having a mass hysteria event will Susie accept my cookie invitation (laughs) Let, let me know what you guys think But until then, thank you guys for listening and remember, question everything.